Are you ready? Let's keep going, okay? Let's keep going. I ask you to, I know we're in the book of Exodus, but I want to encourage you to turn one place for me instead. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. When you get to Matthew chapter 19, go to verse 16 and just put your finger there. Your finger won't be there long, and I'll get there in just a few minutes. You know, we're coming through the Ten Commandments, and and I knew on Thursday, I have to apologize to those of you who heard on Wednesday and that you put in study on thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not commit adultery. I told you we were going to do both of those verses Well, the Lord must have known that Pastor Jeff gave the stage up to a Hawaiian. (laughs) Because on Thursday, I never could get the peace of both of those verses. And so today, we are just doing verse 13, thou shalt not murder. And church, I'm just becoming more and more convinced as I study this, and I pray that as you're studying this, you're becoming convinced too The Lord is revealing himself to his people, which we are those through the Ten Commandments. He's revealing his character, his purposes, and his plans to us and what he wants to see us do in our lives. But I'm becoming more and more encouraged as I study, too, that there is such an important order going on here. One, two, three, four, five, and today we study Commandment 6. And we need to take the time to study them because I believe, as I've shared with you in other places, that the lists in God's Word build upon each other. But before we talk about that, let me tell you just a few things I learned this week. And I try to learn something every week. Well, I learned a lot of things this week, and you may not be that impressed with them, but I learned them anyway. So let me share them with you. You know the chef's hat, the big tall hat with the poof on top? You know it has 100 folds in it? I learned this week that those chef's hats with those 100 folds in them represent the 100 ways that you can cook an egg. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest wedding dress veil is 23,000 feet. I did not know that. That a group of bunnies is called a fluffle. I did not know that. Tommy, are you wowing because it's called a fluff or because I didn't know it? It's amazing. That's right. Did you know, I did not until now, that the way you eat an Oreo reveals your personality. Now, let me just give you three groups. I read that where biters, those that just break them off, are easygoing and confident. That dunkers are more energetic and adventurous. And that twisters, you know who you are, are more sensitive sensitive and trendy. I did not know that. Did you know that Dr. Seuss wrote his book, Green Eggs and Ham, on a bet from his editor that he could not write a children's book using 50 different words or less? He used 50 exactly. I have the book, I've read the book, I've counted the words, 50 exactly, green eggs and ham. I did not know that. Did you know that the average lifespan of a major league baseball is seven pitches? I did not know that. And maybe the one that caps the most of it to me, did you know 
that the most shoplifted food in the world, the most shoplifted food in the world is cheese. I did not know that. (laughs) Church, I'm finding out more and more that there are many, many things that I do not know. And I love learning. And God wants to teach us things. Not so much about Oreos and Fluffles, but about himself. And that's what we learn when we study his word. And so I just want to read to you Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. This is commandment number six. I know you're not there. You're in Matthew waiting on me to get there. But Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, commandment number six, these four words, you shall not murder. Murder is defined as the unlawful and premeditated killing of one human being by another. To kill is defined as to cause the death of someone. And you're going, Jeff, I did know that. God took the time to share this commandment with his people. It's the sixth one. It's the second one having to do with our relationship with other people because murder was a problem then. And church, as we know, all too know, all too closely, even in our own community, murder is a problem now. I was driving through town one day, probably 10 years ago, and uh, I picked up a man that I did not know, and I guess I felt led to, and I picked him up, and he needed to go someplace, and I said, well, but before I go someplace, I said, are you hungry? He said, I haven't eaten in a while. I said, well, let's get stop and get something to eat along the way, and we stopped at a local fast food restaurant here in town, and we were sitting there, and we were eating, and I was talking to him, and I was getting to know him, and, and he just blurted this out. He said, I need you to know that I've killed two people in my life. And if you've known me most of these 25 years that I have been here at First Baptist Church, I just blurted what came out of my mouth. And the statement was, I hope you're done doing things like that. (laughs) We had a great conversation. But it became real personal to me right in that moment. Church, today we're not going to be discussing war We're not going to be discussing capital punishment or self-defense. God's word speaks of those topics, but not right here. Today, we discuss murder from the scriptural perspective. Did you know that in the United States in 2013, there were 14,827 murders? In 2018, there were 15,498 murders. And in 2019, there were 19,141 murders just in the United States. I did the math. That's 52 murders every day. Now, you know. And it would be very easy for me to say to you that God says, don't murder. So don't murder. And then we head straight to the invitation. And it would be very easy for you to say, I've not murdered anybody, and I really don't plan on murdering anybody, so I'm good with this commandment. Check the box, 
and I'm ready for the invitation. And we could go from a time a few minutes ago where we were worshiping to where we're going, what time are we going to get out of here? We get out of here real early if we just check the box. But God doesn't call us together just to check the box. Amen? Amen. Scripture teaches us that murder is defined as an action. Or murder is defined as an action. But scripturally speaking, we must understand that murder is a process. So now you are in Matthew chapter 19. I want to take us there under that perspective. I'm going to get there myself. Matthew chapter 19, in verse, starting in verse 16. I'm going to read verses 16 to 22. It's not going to be on the screen. If you're in the TV room right now, I've already blown past that slide. We're, we're just on autopilot right now, okay? But let me read Matthew chapter 19, picking up in verse 16. It says, Now behold... One came and said to him, that him is Jesus, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he, Jesus, said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good for one, that is God, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, notice what he says first, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now we know that this is the story of the rich young ruler, and I want to talk about it as we set the table for our understanding of commandment number six, you shall not murder. This rich young ruler comes to Jesus and said, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. Do you know that if we were able to perfectly keep the commandments, we'd be good, but we can't. And so this Rich young ruler has an exaggerated understanding of what his actions are and a limited understanding of what God's character and what God desires through those commandments that he has said, I've kept all of those. He says, which ones? And Jesus said, well, let me just start with one. You shall not murder. Church, it's considered a good thing based upon my understanding of this scripture, to not murder. As I said, he says, I've kept this command. He probably said, Jesus, I've not murdered anybody, and I'm not planning on murdering anybody. And Jesus doesn't contradict this man. Jesus probably could have picked him apart as he could pick me apart any day that I claim to be obeying the commandments exactly as God has called me to. But the fact that Jesus challenges him further to keep the commandments likely would be a signal to the man that he had not been keeping those commandments as well as he thought. Jesus, seeking to capture the full commitment of the man, tells him to then to go sell everything and come follow him. And the man walks away because Scripture says he had much. You know, this Scripture, as I was reading it this week, it leaves us with the perspective that this man had all his commandments in line. 
but that his singular struggle, his only thing, his last thing that kept him from following Jesus was letting go of his possessions. And as I was reading and studying that, I realized that if we take that perspective and say that this man is following all the commandments and his only issue is with possessions, that we might be taking too shallow of a perspective on Scripture. Because, see, I believe that if this man had all his commandments in line, that he would have the correct relationship with God, commandments one, two, three, and four, that he would have his uh, commandment with his parents, honor your father and mother in line, and he would have the rest in line. And you know what I find to be true, what I hope is, the more we fall in line with the commandments, the more we keep them, the more we yield ourselves to God and then yield ourselves to others, the more things will be in line in our lives correctly. The fact that this man held on to his possessions was not that he had lots of possessions and that's his only issue. Jesus was picking on that issue to help the man see that he doesn't have all of his commandments in line like he thinks he does. Perhaps this man had other struggles, and perhaps because Jesus started with murder, that murder was the leading one of those struggles. So take that, and now if you're in your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. When you get to Matthew chapter 5, that's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, three of the greatest chapters on Jesus' teaching recorded in Scripture. But when you get to Matthew chapter 5, it's on page 1,115 in the Pew Bible. I want you to go to verse 21. Now, we're building on things here just a little bit, church. 21. Now, let me read from Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. I'm going to read through verse 24. This is Jesus' teaching. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Jesus is quoting the Ten Commandments right there. That's commandment number six. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. That's in Exodus chapter 21. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fools shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if, you're, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus takes the 10th commandment, I mean the 6th commandment of the 10 commandments and he expands it. He says you shall not murder, but then he clarifies, you've heard it said you shall not murder. But I say to you, Jesus is not undoing the commandment. Jesus is filling the commandment out from God's perspective. He says, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger. Now, I want you to do this a little Bible drill with me for just a second. Look at your verse 22, if you've got your scripture open. And it's likely in verse 22, around the phrase, without a cause, you'll see some kind of little notation. Mine has a little A on it, and when I follow that little A to the bottom of the column where those little notations tell me what is there, mine says, 
The NU hyphen text omits without a cause. I don't know if you're, I don't know which Bible you have, if you're, but mine says it's the words are in there, but it tells me that certain manuscripts don't have that in there. Now I could really encourage you a great deal, and we can learn a great deal about the manuscripts of the New Testament, how it's the most uh, testified to piece of literature in all of the world. There's more documents supporting the New Testament, more manuscripts than supports any other piece of literature ever. I could talk to you about how there's the N-U text and what that means. I could talk to you about the M text, which you'll see those notes in there, and talk to you about the critical text, but they are all manuscripts used historically to translate the Bible. My Bible is has a section in the preface there that even talks about how they've gone and done this. And you're going, Jeff, what's your point in bringing this up? I always think that the most, the most correct way to view God's word is the most conservative way. And so I would believe that the best way to look at verse 22 would be to read it this way. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother shall be in danger. Church, we don't want to allow one manuscript or another to lead us into, because see what happens when you get this phrase, without a cause, it gives me the ability to start deciding what causes are. You guys get that, right? And so I don't want us to have any excuses. I want us to say purely, God, I want what you want for me. I want only what you want for me, and I'm willing to yield myself to you in absolutely every way, and I believe that when you read that scripture, the most conservative way, it helps us. Jesus is saying, if you are angry with your brother, if you use vicious words towards your brother, if you are guilty of breaking the law of God, when we use without a cause, it allows us an out, a reason an excuse to hold on to things. And church, in the full character of God, I do not believe that God wants us to become the judge of what we should and shouldn't hold on to. I believe that he desires for us to allow him to be the judge. And it's easier for me when I see it this way. Jesus is taking God's standards here in Matthew chapter 5 to a whole new level. It tells us that God not only considers our actions, do not commit murder, but also our thoughts and our words. Jesus also provides a deeper understanding of the law and demonstrates that God is concerned with the motives of our heart. Now, we know this. Jesus speaks about an escalation of feelings and how it deepens the relationships in our lives that get broken and stay broken. So what this scripture that Jesus is teaching us, he said, now I say to you, he's saying that it's not enough to not physically commit murder. Jesus says if we're angry, hateful, dismissive, and a lot of other words, if we're divided and broken 
in our relationships that we have murder in our hearts already. Now, God's serious about his stance on anger. Let me just give you another scripture. Write this down. Matthew chapter 15. Let me just read that for you. Matthew chapter 15, picking up in verse 18, it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. 1 John chapter 3, verse 15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So back to this Matthew chapter 5 scripture, verse 23. Jesus says, if you are in the act of worship, the act of giving, the act of bringing your gift to the altar, and you remember that somebody has something against you. Did you notice how the requirement and the standard of God keeps being elevated in his people? Because, see, that scripture didn't say, if you're angry at somebody, then you can't serve God, go fix it. No, it says if somebody's angry at you and you know about it, you're responsible. Scripture says, leave your gift there. Don't give it. Leave it there. But look at what else it says. Stop your worship. Because God says you can't come to him until you are settled this issue, until this issue's been settled correctly. God does not want you to partially worship him. You know what partially worship means? It means when, when we can know that we got murder in our heart, when we can know that we've got all these other things that we're going to talk about in our lives, but we continue to come before God as if they're not there. We're just partially worshiping God. And I'm not talking about worship as in the music portion of this only. I'm talking about the way that we live our lives is partially given to God. God says, as we've studied already, you are to have nothing else before me. Think about it this way, church. When we allow other things that are not pleasing to God, broken relationships, anger and frustration with somebody else, then we are dividing our hearts. Therefore, we're not able to keep the commandment of no other gods before me because we're keeping something between us and God. God has an action plan. Verse 24, he says, go and first be reconciled. Note that God didn't say in this scripture, go and try your best to be reconciled. It says, be reconciled. This verse says that we are able to be reconciled. Another great verse here is 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Let me give you another verse, and then we'll talk about both of these. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Now, we use that as times. I've even been guilty of using that at times, saying, well, I've done my best, and they're still being dumb. I've done everything I can do, but they're, they're just not doing their part. Do you know that that's absolutely opposite of what God said to do? He said, go be reconciled. As much as it's up to you, let me tell you what, you know, it's absolutely 100% up to you. 
If you have a broken relationship, if you have anger or hatred or something going on in your life with somebody, it is absolutely, as a child of God, 100% up to you. See, this scripture that we talked about in 1 John chapter 3, Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. But he said, I love you so much that even though I've not done anything wrong, I will take all the blame. Catch that, church? I'll take all the blame. How much more should we do the same? You see, we like to hold on to what our issues are. When we come to Christ, when we understand commandment one, two, three, four, five, we need to understand that we too are called to lay down our life. We are called to church, let it go. To renounce your rights. You know, we hang on to our rights a lot. We say, well, I have a right to be angry. They need to apologize to me. I didn't do anything wrong. God's word says, I don't care. Go be reconciled. As much as it's up to you, and it is, go be reconciled. Let me tell you what I have found, because I'm not perfect, and I put myself in a hole lots of times. This mouth can get me in a lot of trouble. But what I have found is if I will yield this heart to the Lord, and then I go to wherever I am with whatever I've done, and I've had, some of, I've had people mad at me before, and when I come to them and I'll go, I'm sorry. It's all my responsibility. Whatever I need to do to make it right, I will. Would you please forgive me? And you're going, Jeff, what if you didn't do anything wrong? Doesn't matter. I am called to be reconciled because I'm called to a higher level of expectation from God to a higher level of living. And let me tell you what, walking away from a relationship that has been mended, regardless of the cost, is a good feeling. And God knows that we cannot effectively serve him fully when we are still holding on to these feelings. Let me talk about my rights just for one second. I've read about my rights in Scripture. I was real serious about this. I read about my rights. Do you know that based upon the life that I have lived, Scripture teaches me that I have the right to death. That's the only right I have. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin, what I've earned is death. But through Jesus, through God's love for me, his extension of mercy and grace, I have been forgiven and set free with him. I have no rights. I am not my own anymore. And if you claim Jesus as your Savior, you are not your own. The only rights you have are the rights to be obedient to what Jesus has called you to do. So think about the rich young ruler as we begin to head toward the ending. Think about the rich young ruler for just a moment. He sees a need for eternal life. There's something in his life because he came to Jesus. 
He innately knows that what he has been doing is not enough. He came to Jesus. Jesus extends an invitation to follow him to leave everything. Church, I can tell you that leaving all to gain Jesus, leaving all to gain forgiveness, to gain righteousness, to gain peace, to gain relationship with the Father, to gain heaven, leaving all of that to gain Jesus, that's the best deal ever. Take it now. Right now, take it now. You see, we would yell at the rich young ruler. I hope we would. We're going, sell it all. Confess it all. Lay it all down. Follow Jesus. That's what's absolutely worth it. Sell it. Do it. That's what we would tell him. We'd roll our eyes going, what kind of person would have this kind of deal This kind of opportunity to be called by Jesus, to follow Jesus, to live for Jesus, what person would not take this deal in a heartbeat, lay down whatever it is, give up whatever it is to follow Jesus? And yet, we murder every day. We murder every day when we allow disagreements, arguments, betrayals, misunderstandings, past failures, whatever you want to call it. We murder every day when we allowed relationships in our lives to not be reconciled. We're missing out on the fullness of life that Jesus came to bring us. So when we hold on to all of these things, what are we, we're holding out to be right Church, can I tell you that at the end, being right won't be enough? You want God to look at you and go, well done. Well done. And if we have relationships that aren't reconciled, It's not well done. God took the action to reconcile with us, and I was the guilty one. He was the perfect one, yet he took every step forward. Church, we should be reconciled. Now you're going, Jeff, you don't understand. You're right. I don't understand what you've gone through. I don't understand what they've done. I don't understand what they've said. I don't understand a lot of things. You're right. I don't know. And I don't presume to be telling you what you should do. Church, the only thing that I have is to be able to tell you that God knows. God knows everything. Put it to you this way. When we do not let go of brokenness, it's because in the end, we just do not trust that God will handle it correctly. So we need to understand that holding on to brokenness is a lack of trust. Our inability to not murder goes all the way back to commandment one, two, 
three. They're all connected. Church, no more murder. God is clearly leading you right now. I trust. I don't have to do a long, drawn-out invitation. I'm just going to ask you to obediently do exactly what the Holy Spirit of God combined with the truth of God's Word is laying on your heart already. I'm just going to ask you to do it. It might be hard. The church, it's right in God's eyes. Now you know. Maybe you didn't know that before just a few minutes ago. And maybe you thought it was okay just to hold on to all of these things. Now you know. You know, there are certain things that I probably am no better because I know, like a group of bunnies is called a fluffle. That's not gonna make me anything better. But allowing God to work in and through my life to fix broken relationships so that I can know him better, that's a good investment.